<laughs> it is Boca Talks. Uh, my name is Jess Rosario. I am your host for today. We are a podcast on the KOAM Podcast Network. And if you haven't done so, please follow follow us. Uh, listen to all the great content that the KOAM Podcast is putting out. Everything from sports to fashion to current events to pop culture to health and Food and nutrition, which we're going to talk about on Boca Talks. Uh, today, I have a special guest with me. Well, every guest is pretty special, but I have a, a guest with me today. One of my oldest, not oldest, <laughs> longest time friends, um, my bromo, Logan Rages. Hey, half a day, everyone. How's uh, how's married life treating you? It's the same. It's the same. <laughs> I was like, so how's married life? And I'm like, uh, same. Same. I'm looking forward to tax season, though. <laughs> Just give it a few months, everything changes. Trust nah, me. Now, now, I, 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 let me tell you the best thing about getting married is there's like this calmness. Wait, there's comes. a best thing about getting yeah. married? There's like this calm that settles over you. I know these, like, maybe older guys listening to this and like, ha ha ha, I remember that. But <laughs> it's like, I don't have to prove myself or you know i'm just yeah you know, no it's, i know it's like this extra sense of security because yeah. dude my wife's right there it's like you don't even have to wake up brush your hair or brush your look good in the morning like for what i already got her <laughs> <laughs> no She's mine the motivation is you know i'll go to the gym for her for me and for her you know don't want to become a but then lazy. you get to the babe I, I like the way you look already yeah like, will you still love me and my... Will you still love me when I'm fat <laughs> and ugly and don't have makeup? Yeah. Yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Shoot. I'm down. Anyways, uh, so if you have not been following um, the Boca Box Instagram, I've been documenting a weight loss journey. I am on the Biohack Weight Loss Plan. I'm on week five, and for the past five weeks, I've been kind of just documenting everything that I've been going through. Uh, some of the, the food I'm eating, the changes my body goes through. And I went on this journey because I kind of let loose. You had a baby. I had a baby. Well, my wife had a baby. Yeah. And I was there. But <laughs> because she went through that, it was kind of my excuse. My excuse to just let loose and to, to stop everything not everything stop working out yeah and not eat as healthy as i should have and in retrospect you know looking back i gained i gained like 15 20 pounds right within and, the and add that on to you not working out so the muscle muscle turns yeah, and, yeah exactly so so that um you know i was uh, at the highest i was 185 Woo. And, and you're like five four so <laughs> i'm five six those two inches mean something <clears throat> to me i think we I, I teased you about that in the last podcast did you yeah when yeah. i was here last this is his second time yeah with me on the podcast anyway oh. so um i kind of um i gained weight and i had to get back on track so uh, i met with the guys at the blueprint project and we did my rmr testing what's blueprint project they they're custom right yeah they're custom, custom fitness. fitness the blueprint project is basically their it's um man what is it it's it's their way to really help people lay out a plan and they use a resting metabolic rate machine to test your metabolism and from there they lay out a fitness plan and then you work with the Boca box and we also lay out a nutrition plan so that we can look at weight loss we can look at your goals and help you achieve that through through figuring out 
or through science, bro. You, you exactly you have an actual plan. It is you know, science. You know how many calories you need to consume. Is it net calorie or gross? It is gross. Okay, so never yeah. mind. <laughs> I just blanked out. Sorry. There's there's a bunch of science that goes into it. it, it basically, you no longer have to guess yeah. which way to go. Should I be doing this workout? Should I be doing that? Should I be eating this way or that? Paleo, keto, low cal, oh, yeah. whatever it is. What does my body consume? Keto? Do I burn fat more efficiently or carbs? Exactly. That, that kind of stuff. Okay. So they tell you exactly what your ne- your body's natural metabolic process is. Then they lay out a plan. Thus, the blueprint. Oh, I get it. Marketing. Yeah. So uh, I've been on it for five weeks. I've already dropped, I would say, 15 pounds. Yeah, you look a lot younger and healthier. And I look You're glowing. I am glowing. Yeah. And it's the lighting. And your hairline has stopped receding. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it does that. I wish wish my hair would grow back. It's getting smarter. (laughs) My head is growing. (laughs) But, um... It's been working, and it's 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 crazy. You know, I'm 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 a believer, but yeah, I yeah I well I started working out this week too, so it's it's adding on to that. And those guys kind of told me um, the path to take for the next two to three weeks. So you know, I'm gonna stick with it. But I, I brought you on board um, today because I wanted to talk about something that not a lot of people think about, and it's basically thinking. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's basically thinking. About not thinking. It was eloquent. Um, if, if you don't know, Logan and I have been, we like to use the term bromos. Yeah, battle right? buddies. About, yeah, for like 10 years already. Yeah. Uh, he's really been able to push my fitness and push um, everything that goes along with that because we keep each other in check yeah. even up to now I mean um, right yeah. now with my family my schedule at work we don't get to hang out as much and work out as much but I'll get messages and, and texts and DMs every now and then being like hey hey fat boy <laughs> you need to get back into the gym <laughs> or hey I challenge you this month to this let's go oh, yeah. see you know whatever. my random like 100 push ups a day challenge yeah. or, that's cause you grabbed my skin beard <laughs> <laughs> I, I gained a lot of weight you know, I, I went through something traumatic after my brother yeah. passed and I kind of let loose also mm-hmm. I just stopped working out and and then the year after you're like I'm putting you on my meal plan yeah. <laughs> for my birthday cause I had ballooned up I was like and yeah my, my extra skin created a beard not of hair but of fat around my chin that's I, the same thing my daughter has <laughs> so yeah 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 we're yeah. definitely uh have a long history so of pushing each other. There's there's a relationship there of us yeah. trying to get into each other's heads and and get each other on board or we both know what each other kind of wants for fitness and and our goals, right? And we know where we want to be. We know how to motivate each other. Exactly. Because of there, our rapport. That is it. Yeah. That's it. So I it doesn't wanted, work with everybody that we know. We try, Like I try saying that to other people and they're just they like, just got offended. are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Screw you. Yeah. Who are you to talk to me like that? Anyways, um, I wanted to talk about kind of the psychology that goes behind health and the psychology that goes around that that comes around food because it's it's a it's a big thing but nobody really talks about yeah. it you know 
um, rewiring your brain because if you have these habits that have been in place for generations you know yeah. if you grew up eating eggs and rice and spam for breakfast and your parents you know did that it's like it's kind of hard to break out of that right mm-hmm. so I, I i'm sorry i cut you off no, no, I, I assume that that's what we're talking about that's today. exactly what we're talking about psychology and behavior that surround food and yeah. i brought him around because hey, out of everyone i know you know he's one of the guys that you know like i said just gets into my head all the time he sends that's me that. stuff and he talks to me about you know, the way I should be thinking. That psych degree. Yeah, even that, yeah. And he's a psychology major, you know, so. I have a degree in psychology from, uh, that I got when I graduated in 2003. Yeah, so he knows a lot very, about the mind. Very current. And the, and the mind. <laughs> no, but I, I've, I've taken an interest in this, especially um, uh, habits, how habits affect our, our life. I think that's, I've, I've told you this. I've told you this repeatedly. Yep. You, like after I read it, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. I think anybody who's on a fitness journey or ha- is goal oriented and has trouble uh, doing anything, like breaking out, it's like, man, why do I always you know, waste two hours on my phone? Why do I always eat a bag of chips? You know, Read this book. Mm-hmm. It really break down like habit loops and how your routine and your cues and your rewards um, affects you know your behavior. Yeah, especially the negative behaviors that you're trying to change. Oh, and we'll get there yeah. with all the negative stuff. Yeah, one of the the big things, right? That that um, and I've been trying to wrap my head around psychology and nutrition and how they both work. Um, but one of the things I hear a lot of, uh, especially when you're trying to get people to to start working out, right? That's to me, working out and eating, they're two different things. We can tackle working out a lot easier than working on someone's nutrition. But when you tell somebody, oh, hey, have you worked out today? Or um, let's put together some sort, of, some sort of fitness plan. Number one excuse is that they don't have time. Mm-hmm. Right? And like you said, you, you take a look at someone's day and they spend two hours on their phone. Right? And that just kind of blows my mind. It's like, how do you not have time to work out? Yeah. How, how, does that, how does that even work? And how does that play into someone's kind of mindset? And really what they're saying is not, they're not saying, well, they're saying I, I don't have time. What they mean is I, I'm not going to prioritize this. I'm not prioritizing this part because you will make time for things that you want to do. Yeah. You know, oh, I'm too busy. I can't make my kids school play. Yes, you can. Yeah. You're just not prioritizing it. You know, you're prioritizing maybe your work or something. And you're just like, I just can't make it. But you really do have the time. Then why do you think that people don't make it a priority? I mean, as as much as we see the health Everyone's in our man. community, like I, you should be eating right. You should be exercising, at least taking some time to exercise. Mm-hmm. Why don't they do that? This is this is that's a complicated answer there people are different everyone has different motivations we i could talk to my own personal experience you know after coming being active my entire life and then going to college i played club sports and then i stopped you know i turned 21 Mm -hmm. so you know i started drinking and the i ballooned up you know i was no longer active and then i came home started working started playing in the music scene i had gigs regularly so i wasn't getting a lot of sleep um was in smoky environments drinking regularly so like i just my health went to crap you know i was constantly going to see the doctor because of tonsillitis or something and i was always getting sick because i wasn't getting enough sleep and my nutrition was horrible and all that stuff and herpes (laughs) dude that's that's a whole (laughs) joke (laughs) oh my god 
There was no herpes. Thanks. <laughs> you never get rid of herpes. Ever. It's like luggage. Keep that forever. <laughs> do you do keep luggage forever? I just cleaned my house and I found luggages I didn't think I had. Mm. Anyways. So anyway, yeah, everyone has. So like my, my motivation for coming out of that was like being confronted with my health. My doctor, I went, I went to the doctor and he goes, he made this comment. He's like, well, you're a pretty husky guy. And I had never identified as being husky. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm. I was like, well, first I was offended. I was just like, is that a, an official medical term or something? Husky? <laughs> just like big, big bone. Did as I'm sitting there on the on the table with my shirt off and my stomach hanging over, you know, and I'm just like, I am husky. <laughs> I need to start working out. But then you made that decision, right? I yeah, mean, but based there was off a of somebody point. telling you, like, hey. Well, I was confronted with the reality because for the longest time, like a lot of people with addictions, like smoking, they're like, you know, I, it's not a problem, mm-hmm. you know, like I. Yeah, I'd like to quit smoking, but I don't see it as a problem. Yeah, I'd like to quit drinking, but I don't see it as a problem. I'm still functional. I still do this. So, like, unless you're, I think for a lot of people, unless they're really confronted with the reality of it, like, you know, like if you smoke so much that you eventually you have a cancer scare, then it's like, oh, then it's real. And it's that, in your face. That actually, I don't know why I never thought of it in that light. Um, but we can also also turn that around to food you know like people will continue eating not knowing that it's bad for them not knowing that all the processed food what it does to the body and then you know like they they won't know that it's bad well there's no consequence there's no immediate consequence yeah you know unless you know like you're you know we just had that uh bodybuilding competition and you know you eat a bag of chips when you're on a cut and you're gonna blow it out and you're gonna it's you're gonna have that effect right and you're Mm -hmm. gonna see it right then and there but for you know average person you know, I I some cookies and some chips and junk food and whatever. I'm not going to see the immediate effect. For us that exercise regularly, we feel the effects because the next day in the gym, we're like, oh, my God, why like did crap. I drink all that? Yeah. yeah, you're affected. But for, yeah, your average person, nah. And and that could go the same way with kind of alcohol, right? Oh, like yeah. You have a, a night of drinking. You wake up the next day and you're like, oh, I shouldn't mm-hmm. have drank that much. Exactly. But do... Do you think people feel that same way with food? I mean, like you, you eat. I mean, I do. Like some. I will eat something, and the next day I'll be like, oh, hey man. You know, we're both Chamorro, right? We both grew up here, so like food has a special place where mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, it's it's kind of the exception. You know, like it's a one excuse that you can use um, when you have to do something. Like you know, Logan, come and clean this. I'm like, Mama, meeting. Okay, when you're done eating, come and clean this. You know, it's it it it, it, it holds a special place. Yeah. Um, I did that to my son last night. Anytime we come together, it's food. Yeah. You know, the Tintuli system you usually bring a dish. Mm-hmm. You try to contribute in some way, cooking, cleaning. Um, yeah. So food, when it comes to food, it's like it's almost kind of a a taboo to suggest to somebody else that their eating habits are bad. bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> Food is sacred. Yeah. It's like religion and politics. You don't talk about, you don't tell your auntie, hey, you should uh, make your kudu with less sodium. Yeah. Or you should Reach. add more veggies. And you're like, no, I've been doing it this way forever. Get out of my face. Now, you, you mentioned earlier that uh, behavior, right? Yeah. And learned behavior it, because it's learned, it's passed down from our parents, whatever mm-hmm. they learned from their parents. How hard is it to tackle behavior? How hard is it to tackle behavior? To change behavior. Well, think about it. If if you grew up with a mindset knowing that or believing that certain things were healthy, you know, like, uh, what was it? Uh, tofu. Yeah. And no, think about, like, the whole keto diet. 
Okay. We grew up thinking that fat was bad. Yeah. So like everything's we grew up with that knowledge. So how are you going to tell me now that keto is where it's at? And I'm just supposed to believe you, like, yep. right, you know? Exactly. How, how are you going to change my behavior unless you're, like, confronted with science and then you see um, actual results from other people that you know? Like, but even with with the, I want to say the unveiling of science in today in today's world, today's nutrition world, nutrition is, is changing dramatically mm-hmm. right now. Um, but even with that, I, I, I find it very hard to, to figure out how to, help people understand that it's changing and to change their mindset so like biggest thing for me is like when i when people come to me and they they start asking me you know how should i start eating i'm diabetic and blah 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 this and that i'm like well first we need to take care or take a look at your glucose you know Mm -hmm. what is raising your sugar levels within your blood and it's carbohydrates right carbohydrates and sugar now if we stop that or we kind of minimize that then they kind of fixes itself mm-hmm. right and that is kind of the sense of what a keto diet the applications of a keto diet for diabetics is good for but then you still get a lot of doctors and health professionals that are against that and keep telling their patients oh you need to eat whole grains you need to eat yeah bread they're, on, and they're on that old science yeah it's dangerous i'm still in the old science but how do you how do you how do you just change something that's been embedded in people so long and i'm and I'm asking because I, I had this conversation with my dad. My dad has to start eating better. Mm-hmm. But every morning, he makes spam or corned beef or buys a box of donuts. And his excuse is, well, it's for the kids. I'm like, why? why? What for? Mm-hmm. They don't need to be eating like that. You're not eating like that. You shouldn't be eating like that. All that's going to do is put the it in front of you and you're going to be tempted to eat that yeah and which he does yeah of course you know so uh, how do you get someone to understand and and think about that change their mindset i don't know how how are you going to tell your dad not to take care of his grandchildren every single day that's is you know that that just seems like a a landmine you know you step on that issue and it's just kind of like it turns into i'm just you know doing this for my grandchildren you know Mm -hmm. and i love them i want to show them that i love them with food you know, and that happens all yeah. the time. That's very prevalent in our culture. I don't know, man. You, I don't. I don't have the same relationship with your dad as you do. <laughs> but maybe if I went up to Uncle Jess and I was just like, "Hey, Uncle Jess, uh, maybe you shouldn't buy that box of donuts." And then when he like looks at me and just slap the donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, Logan has done to me. Slap donuts out of my hand. No, I haven't. That's not. Just yes, happened have. twice. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so just going going back to that, um, the the mindset and the behavior surrounding weight loss. Okay, right. Well, actually, can I tackle your question? Your go, first question: go, How go, you go. change behaviors? Okay, um, there's in group and out group bias, right? And there's if you were to talk about psychology and like things called uh, a homogeneity effect. So if people within your in group. So let's take politics, okay? People that are like MAGA crowd and then like liberals, right? If if they argue about an issue, they're never going to, you know, influence the other to change their mind. It's just going to be like usually the other side just gets more embedded. Even if they're wrong, they just get more embedded in their side of it. Why is that? Why, why can't these people have conversations where um, people change their minds based on the evidence and what's presented in the arguments, right? Um, It's because here's the psychology behind it. You're more likely to change the way that you think about something 
if it's presented to you by somebody from within your in-group. So like somebody that you identify with as opposed to somebody that you don't. So like if some random stranger or whatever that you don't know or some like health guru, Mm -hmm. you're just like, whatever, man. But if it's somebody that you perceive yourself to be in with an in-group in, they have much more of an influence. Someone that you have a relationship with or feel that you have a relationship with? Or no, no, they, the person. Or you relate to. Yeah, you relate to. Okay. That could be along ethnic lines, it could be along political lines, it could be along fitness goal lines, mothers, you know? Why am I gonna listen to the personal trainer but I'm much, if, if I were a mother, you know, I'd be much more likely to trust what this Another mother has mother. gone. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? See? I, I do. So I if do. you're talking about behavior change and influence, that's one thing to consider. So like mm. you could preach and preach and preach, but unless, you know. No, that kind of makes sense because like my, my sisters and I, and my mom especially, we are always, you know, hounding my dad to make these changes and, and in his eyes nothing's wrong mm. you know nothing's, nothing's wrong with his health nothing's wrong with what he's doing um, but it never gets through to him because uh, maybe like you said we're not that figure that he relates to you know yeah. he doesn't we're his kids and it's his wife that are telling him and you know culture wise it's like yeah, I'm the man of the house and you listen to me kind of thing yeah and again, going back to the whole consequences things, like what's what's the harm in a donut? You know, yeah. what's the harm in this? What's that? Dad, come on! I'm trying to you know teach them to eat healthy and yeah, yeah that's tough. Then it I just gets to Logan Lola. You're not going to Papa today because oh, you're gonna get yeah, donuts. Do <laughs> no, <laughs> you go over there and be like, you put the onus on your kids. <laughs> Let me smell your breath. Is that powdered sugar? <laughs> well, you know, my daughter has done that. She's like, oh, nothing. And then she had like powdered donut uh, on her lip after school. I'm like, did mama or papa take you to get donuts? Yeah. No. <laughs> donut just flew out of your mouth. Uh, one of the hard things that when I was growing up, I had a hard time with food. Um, I didn't have a hard time with it. I ate it all the time. And I had, you know, I, I, was, I was an obese kid growing up. Yeah, and at nine, uh, ninth grade, I remember your picture. You were yeah. like a lineman on the football team, right? Yep. You were f- five I guard. I was five four, five four, and almost two hundred pounds. Yeah, you that's know? that's pretty big. Yeah. Um, but you know, food creates an emotional attachment, both good and bad. Oh yeah. Right. And for me, kind of the the stuff I went through growing up was a, it was a negative relation with food. Because I was obese and I was at that stage in my in high school where I wanted to start losing weight to look good for chicks and pick up chicks, I was like, okay, I got to start eating better or eating what I thought was right. And that was basically uh, trying to go vegan and mm. not eating a lot of food and then exercising like a, you know, like a madman. Yeah, but your body was also changing like you were... Um maturing so like your metabolism started to kick in and then you know the testosterone levels which help with burning fat Mm -hmm. yeah but when i look back at it the motivation there was not intrinsic you didn't grow up with that no it it was honestly it was my sisters teasing me every day that was a fat boy Hmm. 
you know. Is that why you're so mean to them? I think so. I think so. <laughs> and that's why I think that's why the trauma I, te- I tease them now. I'm yeah. like, oh, you guys are fat. That's you know? so. Don't do that. That's mean. Yeah, but I mean, it it, it caused a really bad relation with food and myself growing relationship. Up. Yeah, yeah, relationship with food and. Um, I got to a point where when I did lose like 40 pounds and I started, you know. Then the chick started noticing. Yeah, the chick started coming. Um, that I would look at food in the sense where I was scared. Mm. You, know, you ever got that? Like I was scared to eat because I thought I would balloon up. Oh, I, I thought you were saying like you thought you would revert back into that lifestyle where you were consuming, you know. What are they? Your, your mom used to bake them. Yeah, the uh, cinnamon, cinnamon rolls. rolls. Yeah, no, that and mass. That's exactly kind of what it was. Yeah, you know, I was scared to eat because I was scared I was going to gain weight. And every time I did eat, I honestly I got very nauseous. Dude, it sounds like somebody with a an addiction before, like a recovering addict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and that's like, kind of where I'm going. I don't want to be confronted with this when it's in your face, and you're just mm-hmm. kind of like, one won't hurt. Yeah, ah, man, I just. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was listening to um, a podcast uh, with this um, psychologist. I was talking about food disorders and bulimia and mm-hmm. anorexia, right? And I, I kind of understood what that was like. Body dysmorphia. Yeah. yeah. And looking, looking, I was 140 pounds. Looking in the mirror, I looked and felt fat. Mm, you know? And I yeah. was like, that's why I was so scared to eat, you know? But having that negative relationship with food, I think that, that kind of caused that. Um, you know? I don't want to put this out there, but uh, Karen Carpenter was one of the most, probably the most famous celebrity that had anorexia. And we studied her in college. She was a case study. Oh, and, uh, the singer. Yes. The, Carpenters. Yeah, ah! the Carpenters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't you remember. know why do birds? Yeah. So amazing singer, but she eventually died, I think, because complications yep. from her anorexia nervosa. And um, in the case study, they traced like trauma to... Um, like her brother was like so controlling, like he was like her manager and controlled every aspect of her life. Mm-hmm. And um, if I don't remember, I remember correctly, but that played a role, and they attributed part of her anorexia to that relationship with her brother and coming out of that kind of environment. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is, you when you're looking at your behaviors and whatnot. Um, and it's it's not easy for people to do, but like to trace back and try to find connections in your past of you know like I used to hate doing the dishes. Mm-hmm. Like if you told me to do the dishes, I was just like, oh. <laughs> and it was because like my mom would accuse me of leaving dishes in the sink, and I would never leave my dishes in the sink. I'd always wash them, so it really really bugged me um, when she would right? accuse me of leaving dishes in the sink. Um, so like I can't stand when people leave their dishes in the sink. And then I actually, I saw a therapist and we talked about it. Um, this is one of the things we talked about. And she's like, she, she helped me to reframe. She's like, what if your mother said, Hey, Logan, I had a long day. Um, can you help me and just, you know, wash the dishes? I was like, Oh yeah. If she said it like that, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Of course, mom. And she's like, try to think of like, think about it like that, like reframe it. So like, I no longer have that negative, um, reaction mm-hmm. when there are dishes in the sink and they're not mine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So reframing. So like, you know, tracing back and looking at, at your trigger points in your life and then trying to reframe. That was one of the tools that she helped me with. That, that kind of makes sense. And I, I'm, I'm thinking of it from a 
coaching standpoint. You know, mm-hmm. there's uh, nutrition coaching has has kind of blown up in the U.S. Uh, I've done a little bit of nutrition coaching here at the Boca Box, um, but it really hasn't taken off. And a lot with what goes on with nutrition coaching is is kind of taking a look at you know prior experiences with food mm-hmm. and how to you know how to just work around the person's lifestyle and their thinking and and relationship with food and trying to figure out how to get them to their goal mm-hmm. knowing all of that right but going back to negative relationships with food um you had any negative relationships with food um in high school i basically ate one meal a day and i was pretty emaciated i was 100 and f- i graduated high school 58 59 145 oh, um, yeah i was real thin yeah, and I wasn't like you know ripped and cut up. No, I was yeah Skinny. nutritionally deficient. Yeah, um, I did not have a good relationship because I didn't. I wasn't really educated. I my breakfast was like two Nutrigrain bars a day, and then I'd skip lunch because I didn't want to eat at the cafeteria because of the negative social stigma Dude, associated with the awesome. Yeah, now and but I was like so caught up with being cool and hanging out in the gym mm-hmm. hallway at GW that I didn't go to the freaking cafeteria to eat lunch. And then I would go to volleyball practice or whatever sport I was playing afterwards. Hungry? Yeah. Or I'd have snacks. I used to make myself these peanut butter, brittle, whatever snack bars, and I would chomp on those. So basically eating a bunch of processed food. Mm-hmm. And then at, at night, I'd go home and eat dinner. So my relationship Dang. with food was horrible. What, I, what about now? Like, ha- has that... Has that had a reaction with you now? Yeah, well, I I had to educate myself. And I, that's why we have like these intense conversations about food and stigma and how how far we've come since, you know, like the 80s, 90s. Um, and now I, I through like, you know, being on Bogobok plans, um, I know when I feel my best. And that's mm-hmm. when I'm, I'm eating three cups of vegetables per meal, you know. And I've gained those micronutrients in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that's one thing I picked up from you when we were working together on that was uh, before every dinner. Actually, I try to do it before every meal, but especially dinner. Like before I even touch my dinner plate, I have a big ass salad, yeah. like huge. So the, what that helped me do was reframe how I saw food in using it as fuel. But I could still have the things I liked, mm-hmm. okay? I could still indulge in the savory things because I don't have a sweet tooth. Um, but I had to eat the things that I needed to eat, like the salads. And the, this is like, okay, you can have the fried chicken, Logan, but eat the salad. Eat all of Your first. goal is eat the salad. Yeah. And your reward is the fried chicken. You know what I mean? Okay, so, okay, then, then, then that kind of turns the tables now, right? So... The reaction to people, right, when, let's say, long week, right, long week of work or long week of whatever you're doing, and then you're like, oh, it's Friday. I deserve this. Mm-hmm. I deserve that. Or I worked out today. Yeah. I worked out for two hours. I deserve a pizza or I deserve an ice cream. Is that, is that balance? Is that? Well, it depends. I, I think what you're referring to is emotional eating. Okay, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, a, that's a big problem that a lot of people don't recognize. So it's like, yeah. yeah, you know, um, I'm sad, so I'm going to eat this. Like, you, you throw all your resolutions are, out the window if you're affected emotionally. Are you an emotional eater? Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. If I get stressed out, I'm eating. If I, you know, 
um, you know, if I'm sad or whatever, just like, you know, screw it. Why not? I'm done. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and have a tub of ice cream, you know, <laughs> whatever. Well, I've never actually done that, but using that <laughs> as an example, I will, I'm, you know, for me, it's, I'm going to go to Kabbalin, Kabbalin. Because that's Kavalin, It's a Filipino restaurant in. Um, oh, Dedido. Yeah, I, I love their. I've never had that. I love ever. their menudo. So like, what's menudo? It's deliciousness. Because <laughs> I know there's a menudo, the Mexican menudo. It's yeah. Like tripe and it's, all that stuff, right? Yeah. It's like a soup. This has like a bunch of stuff: chicken, sausage, liver, chicken liver. Is it soup or is it like a? No, it's it's like a dobo kind of. But I don't know. All the, your Filipino listeners are like, ah, this guy. But I love that. So, like, when I'm emotional or whatever, you know, and I'm just throwing my resolutions out the window, it's just kind of like, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to get this. Or, like, today I'm a little hungover. And I was like, I want Shirley's fried rice. <laughs> I know I shouldn't have it because I'm going to bloat and it's going to make me feel like crap, you know, mm-hmm. after because I'm going to eat it all in one city. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, one of the biggest problems that people have in, in, in tackling their diet problems, I think, is tackle, tackling the emotional issues mm-hmm. that make it easy for them to abandon their goals and objectives and resolutions. Yeah. I, I feel that same way. Like, uh, for me, that was the, the main reason why I kind of let go when Angela was pregnant. You know, mm-hmm. like, she was going through all all these changes, right? Mm-hmm. And it affected me. Like, She's like, hey, if I'm not going to work out, you can't work out. And then I got pissed and I got sad and I got depressed. And I was like, well, if I'm not going to work out, then screw it. I'm just going to give way to the wind. I'm just going to eat whatever I want. You want to go? We'll go all the way. Stacks, here I come. <laughs> and, and, you know, that, that was it. It's, I didn't realize how emotionally I was attached to certain foods. Mm. Like I was always craving hamburgers, but it wasn't that I was craving it. It was just like, screw it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yeah. eat it because... I'm kind of depressed because I'm not working out anymore. Um, I think that, yeah, whatever mindset you're in, the I don't want to get into the psychology of that because I can't speak to it like with enough authority, and I don't want to misinform listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, but as as an example, like the more out of shape I get, the more I crave bad things. Yeah, 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 yeah. The okay. Better I am in shape, the easier it is for me to remain on a good diet. I think that goes back to habit. Okay. Yeah. If you're in the habit of doing, like you get up and you work out every day. Totally right. And you, you will, you know, do the things that are in line with that identity. Like I exercise regularly. No, I'm not going to, you know, binge on all this, whatever, whatever food, you know? I, I do that. I can totally relate to that because that's, that's exactly what I went through. You know, like just... Um, um, when you're when you kind of stop, it's easy for you to just let go mm-hmm. of everything. But when you have when you're when you're working out or trying to eat for a certain purpose, like right now with uh, with the biohack uh, journey that I'm on, like I'm it's super easy for me to say no to alcohol mm-hmm. or say no to going out and you know for pizzas and beers and stuff like that. It's super easy. Like I don't even care anymore. Like my my nyals are, they live right next to me and they'll mm-hmm. call me all the time. Like, hey, yeah. we're going to have some beers. I'm like, nah, mm-hmm. I'm good. And you know how big of a beer guy I am. Yeah. Right. And I'm you just like. You got me into craft beer. Yeah, I'm like, screw it. I don't, I don't want to drink anymore. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. For me, what that is, and I think I, I understood this really early on, is 
it's easy to do things if you identify with that. So I'm, I'm not a smoker, so I have no urge to smoke. I'm not a drinker. I have no urge to drink. Um, I love my wife with all my heart, so I'm not going to be unfaithful. You know what I mean? Things like that. If you identify, I'm, I am a runner, so I don't do the things that, like the unhealthy things that runners don't do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like it's, it's, it's from a psychological standpoint, if you identify as such, and this is why group settings are so powerful because you have a tribe that yeah. everyone's on the same page. Like we're all going to detox. We're all going to do this biohack. We're all going to do this corporate fitness setting thing, mm-hmm. corporate nutrition. Um, it makes it easier. You have a tribe that you identify with and you don't violate the, uh, the identity of the tribe. I think that's why with you and I, like, um, just keeping each other in check i think that's what kind of worked for us is that i was i was accountable to you or you made that's, me accountable that's another to you. part of it too you yeah. know having uh, the onus some people don't like that though they're like i'm doing it myself mm-hmm. and if anybody steps in then it's kind of like ah they become rebellious you know it's not for everybody that's like la. they're yeah they're they're different it, you know different things for different people that's that's the power of a good coach they can recognize what works for different people and yeah and that, that kind of puts a lot of things into perspective too when you're trying to change mindset and how do you tackle that and you brought up uh finding someone that is relatable or finding that oh man what do they call that 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 champion An influencer yeah yeah influencer champion yeah do you think that's why or an authority yeah in the in the fitness world that's why you get big buff lean guys on the magazines and chicks in workout gear that look really hot do you think that's why they put them there to, to have people think, oh, I want to be like that. Yeah, so I'm gonna... without a doubt. Yeah, it's, you, you wouldn't but why pick put, up a why bodybuilding the, magazine. The regular mom, you know, like, you know how you're saying? I don't know. Is, is she the end goal? Is she what people are aspiring to become? Is, your customer, is that what your customer base is? Are they aspiring to be, you know... Bodybuilders? Yeah, if, if that's the case, then yeah, you want people, you know, like the model of what you're... But if you're an everyday average Joe... And you just want to become healthier. Do you think that approach will work for them? Yeah, it depends. But I think now you're talking about like what I do specifically, like in marketing. We we have different like avatars, right? We talked about customer yeah. avatars, right? Um, and use the customer avatar to really get to know this demographic group that you're trying to market to. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you're marketing to new moms, if you're marketing to average Joe, you know, works a nine to five, you know, 35 year old father of two, um, then yes, you want to use people in your advertisements or in your content that they can identify with. Because why am I, why, why would I want to, you know, I don't identify with the Olympic athlete or the UFC fighter. I mean, what they're doing is great, but that's not me. As opposed to seeing another guy who's 35 with two kids that's working a nine to five, but he's living the lifestyle that I aspire to live in terms of health and fitness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has much, again, going back to in-group, in-group, out-group, who you identify with. Okay. Then, then the other approach to to the mindset, right? Is not only being being able to identify with somebody, but being held accountable, like we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think, I, I have customers that come in and like, hey, can I get weighed in every weekend? You know, because I need something to hold me accountable to that. 
or then you get people like La that are very self-motivated or want to be self-motivated. You know, yeah. like I, uh, they're going to do it all on their own. And if you tell me what to do, I'm just going to not do it because I don't like that anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? How do you, how do you get? I'm, I guess, I guess every every approach to weight loss and to with food and everything, every thing has to be individualized. Yeah, of course, but you can use the same best practice. Um, you can take the same approach with everyone. All right, let's look into your routines and your habits and your relationship with food. Let's talk about that. And then you can start to identify different things and identify what works for this particular person. If they need to, if, if holding them accountable on the daily works for them, then you, you, you can glean that from your conversation in your interview, like your onboarding interview, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, everyone's different, but yeah, you, you just kind of trace, trace the steps and habit, routine, cues, and then find what works. And it's, it's basically problem solving or trouble, troubleshooting. Troubleshooting, yeah. Yeah, A, each individual client. Now, when you start troubleshooting, right, how, to me, a lot of people, where they start falling off is like, they'll start to, they'll go really, really strong, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll kind of like get towards their goal, but then something happens. Mm-hmm. To me, I wanna, I wanna see what we can do about timeline and tackling timeline and people's expectations of how they're gonna look or how they're gonna feel within a given timeline, mm. right? Because they go on a diet, two, three weeks in, like, oh, I dropped five pounds, done. Yeah. You know, and then- Small th- win is a big win for them. Yeah. Yeah. But then they haven't really met their ultimate goal. Okay. You know, so how do you get people to stay on track with that? How do you get them to think that, you know, they need to keep going? You know, when you're working out, you're doing a, when you did your marathon, mm-hmm. right? The marathon that I didn't do because I was like, after 14 miles, I was like, screw this. I don't want to, <laughs> I can't do this anymore. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm getting at is people will go a certain distance, but then not complete it. Mm-hmm. Now, you completed it. And you told me it was the hardest thing that you ever did, mm-hmm. right? And there's that area where you just have to push through. Now, yeah. how do you get through that? Well, the, this book, actually, The Power of Habit, has an example of this. Uh, it's the first story with this woman who goes through a divorce, and then she ends up running a marathon, and she quits smoking. She went from being like a two-pack-a-day smoker to not smoking anymore. Um, having a plan, first and foremost, plan and a strategy, goals and objectives so that you can tackle it and you and you keep meeting different goals and objectives and if you have a setback you can find, you can get back to it you can get back onto the plan and the strategy was, but was there a timeline within that plan or was it oh, just yeah. plans like <laughs> when i when i went into training for the marathon it wasn't like you know okay marathon's two months away i can do this no it was a six month thing and i had been running you know five days and whatever mm-hmm. else and i did my research and i was like okay if you want to train for a marathon and i went on runner's world and looked up the training program mm-hmm. and what, cause there, there's some serious um, health risks with yep. running a marathon if you're not prepared. Yep. And it's, it's, it's dangerous, not just for you, but also for like, you know, the race organizers and then the first responders and you know, you're putting a lot of people at risk with your own negligence, right? So there, there was a plan in place and it was easy even when I fell off. So like I would miss runs sometimes, um, long runs that I needed to do, you know? To get my miles on, you know, sixteen mile runs. But did you ever come runs. to the point where you're just like, ah, oh, never mind. I don't think I could do this. No, anymore. I'd I committed. You know, you put that entry fee down. And it's like I'm in it. There's no backing out now. And then at 
but I'm just speaking from my personal experience. I know people are, people are different. Um, each mile I put in brought me closer to my goal and further away from not achieving the goal. You know mm, what I mean? I do. So it's like um, I got closer and closer and closer. So it's like to give up and head back would require more effort than it would to just keep going. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. And, and that's kind of where I am now. It's like five weeks in. I'm just like, why why go and have a night of drinking mm-hmm. or eating you know, yeah. going out and, and having pizza with the kids. And, you know, I'm like, I'm, I've am i done a lot so far. If I have this one day, I'm just going to wreck it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't want to do that. I want to I want to be at the eight weeks and be like, oh, this is what I wanted. Or I want to see what, you know, where I'm at in eight weeks. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I guess there there's a lot that comes into play when you're talking about mindset and behavioral changes and the psychology around our relationship with food, right? Then there's a lot of things to think about, right? Mm-hmm. If there was one thing that you would tackle to get somebody started on a journey for better health, what would the first thing be? Uh, uh, how do I say this? You have IQ and you have EQ. Um, I think in order... <laughs> <laughs> my mind's going in a bunch of different directions all at once. Um, the question was, if somebody, if I wanted to help somebody on a journey, mm-hmm. how would I do it? What would be the first thing that you kind of take a look at? Or would you talk to them about? Like, what's the, the first thing to tackle? Given given everything that we talked Assuming about. Assuming that they came to me for advice yep. or whatnot? Assuming, okay. Like, uh, all the outside um, influencers that are out there, uh, use you know, if you're going to use that. Or... Uh, finding some way to intrinsically motivate somebody or finding some way to get them on board with being uh, accountable or whatever it is? I don't know. The The only advice I would be able to give them is to really look at their emotional intelligence, like for them to take some time to look at how they operate and how what motivates them and, you know, write it down. Write, the, write those things down so that you understand yourself and how you operate. And then with that, you can you know, start formulating a plan because you need to understand how you work first and understanding your emotional intelligence, like you know, how you learn. Because um, you know, if, 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 if I go and sit in a classroom and they teach a certain way and that's not the way that I learn, it's gonna be very, very difficult for me to learn that process, right? Yeah. Um, as opposed to you know, me understanding how I learn best, you know, maybe it's visual. And then I go to a class that has a more visual instruction. That is kind of along the same lines that I was thinking of. Like, if I'm going to help help somebody first, I'm going to have them say, okay, take a step back. Mm-hmm. Look at your life. Mm-hmm. What is going on within your life? Let's be realistic about the approach to doing something. Is is an eight-week plan realistic for you? Is a is a three month plan realistic for you if it's not then let's taper it down let's like you said let's accomplish one goal at a time yeah right within that plan i think it's also important to note the threats to your success mm-hmm. like you know when do i 
participate in bad behaviors? When do I do these things that... What do I, I need to cut out? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what do I need to avoid? Oh, I always crave cigarettes when I drink. So maybe don't drink. Yeah. But I need to go out and socialize. Maybe you could socialize somewhere, someplace else that maybe doesn't have alcohol. socialize as every weekend. Yeah. You know, you take a step. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you, it's all in formulating that plan of attack and looking at your life and identifying those triggers, right? Yeah. I, I think that's very, very good advice for anybody that's starting on a journey, whether it's weight loss, whether it's fitness, whether it's just trying to get your life in check. Yeah. You know, you got to take a step back and reevaluate everything that's going on and then set a plan. One of the big word of advice I would give to anybody starting out, you know, like they want to change their life and stuff, baby steps. Because the biggest thing to railroad your plans is injury. So it's like, oh, I'm going to run a marathon. So I'm going out and I'm just going to start running every day, three miles a day. And I've never run before. And then now you have plantar fasciitis and now you have IT band syndrome, mm-hmm. you know, and now you're, you know, your knee hurts and, and now you can't run at all. And yeah. you're less mobile than you were before. Or you're you know? too sort to even do anything. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. So plan of attack, you know, and That's baby good. steps. It's easy. It's easier. You got to crawl before you walk, walk before you run. Right. And it sounds cliche, but it's better for you in the long run. And you're, and here's something in the like, long run. Yeah. Um, patience. When you patience. have, when you have the entire goal in mind, one little setback isn't going to have a profound effect because you're playing the long game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You have the big goal in mind. Oh, I missed a run. Oh, I'm going to get it. I can get it back. I can get it back. Yeah. That's very, very good advice. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping a lot of you listening out there kind of take what we have, uh, what we talked about, and kind of it can help you on on your journey. Um, Logan, thanks for talking with me today. Book of uh, talks, no problem, we, man. We have to hang out with you. You know, as much as we're both busy, I kind of have to schedule stuff like this as an excuse for us to hang out. I'm not too busy to hang out with you, bro. <laughs> I'll make time. Yeah, prioritize. <laughs> but um, thanks for joining us today. Next week. Uh, I hope to get uh, one of my other friends on on the podcast. We're going to be talking more about fitness, the gym life, fitness gains. Pizza in my mouth. Yeah, I got Mikey uh, Scro coming coming. Oh, nice from Paradise Fitness Center. So, uh, yeah, he's a good guy to talk to. Yeah, you should talk to him about all the changes that they made over there too. That's what yeah. I'm going to talk about, and you know, life with his baby and oh, yeah. the new wife and everything. Yeah. So, hopefully, that's good. Um, awesome. Until then, I'll see you guys next week. Adios. Adios.